Welcome to Kremlin File. Here we are with Jack. Jack Bryan, everybody. Okay, give it up for Jack. Hey, Jack, how are you doing? Doing very well. Hi. Doing very well. So happy to be on the show and be on the other side of the camera. Hey, Jack. The show. Hey. I know Jack is never in front of the camera. Okay, Jack is behind the scenes. And we are grateful. We are truly, truly grateful for that, Jack. And you didn't bring your cat today. So we hope that well, no she's right here some somewhere. Sort of she'll, she'll, I'm sure she'll make an she's appearance there. wherever she she's decides. That's it. <laughs> she'll make well, an appearance. It. That's it. Today, actually, we're going. <laughs> today, actually, we're going to be talking about okay, troll farms, and about propaganda. And I think we need to go back, maybe, to I mean, the the one person that I want to talk about, who I want to start talking about, is Pergozin. Okay, and Jack, I don't know whether you can fill us in. Okay, on that, because he's a, uh, let's say, infamous, okay, uh, figure in the Kremlin. Brozian is sort of known as Putin's chef. And uh, that is because he is actually a caterer to the Kremlin uh, and does a lot of that. And I think that one of the the things that's really interesting about um, Russia and kleptocracy generally is how you kind of have to have these weird overlaps with jobs, where it's like if you trust a guy to be doing this, you're going to also have to trust that guy to do a bunch of other stuff because there's not that many people you're going to trust with that much criming. Right. And so Pergozian, in addition to being his caterer, also caters his uh, internet trolling. Um, but also he's been connected to uh, Wagner Group, which is their sort of uh, Blackwater uh, private sort of group. And also I believe he's providing most of the, the catering or food for the, the troops uh, that are in Ukraine right now. Uh, and so he is sort of and part of that or not. And the mercenary, or not. Yeah. And so he, <laughs> or not. yeah, he's part of this sort of weird little niche sort of uh, figure within the sort of Kremlin that there, there are a few of these guys that sort of have these multiple um, fronts mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. doing on behalf of the Kremlin uh, and that sort of get fit into their sort of broader portfolio. And uh, IRA was a really important part of that. And I, I think that in a similar way that to thinking about how one node like Pergosian will be activated for many different things, it's also helpful to think of IRA as being just one node in a broader messaging mm-hmm. campaign. Um, because it, one of the things that's so important about disinformation is that it's coming from multiple sources at multiple times. So like the way I think about it is that, you know, if, if I saw um, Olga at a party and I said, Olga, you know, you look a lot like Mo. I watch the show and you guys look very similar. She could be like, well, I don't really look like twins. that much. Yeah. Twins. <laughs> but then if three people at the party, all, if I've got three people around, I said, doesn't she look like her? Doesn't she look like her? And they said, yes, it probably still wouldn't penetrate because it's all one sort of still feels like one source. But if I came up to that party and said it to you, and then you went home and the next day you're walking down the street and somebody else said it to you. And then the next day, a completely independent person also said it to you. At a certain point, you would start believing it mostly, or at least a little bit. And that's the other thing is that belief is not an on-off switch, right? Like it's, we believe a range of things to a to a degree. Uh, and so disinformation is about populating that belief system uh, with things that are either false or things that are contradictory to a clean narrative. They want to muddy up any narrative you can. Uh, and so by having separate outlets be pushing that the same same direction, and that's why it was so effective with Trump saying a message over here on CNN. And then you go online on Facebook right. to the comments section and hear the exact same thing. And you couldn't find two more disconnected sources. 
both saying the same thing. And so that actually lends credibility to people who think of themselves as having an open mind. And disinformation is really supposed to attack that idea of I'm an open-minded person. I listen to all sorts of different conversations and different sides, and I want to hear mm-hmm. the full story. Disinformation manipulates that, targets that, and uh, benefits off of it. Sorry, yeah, I went that's what pretty we're, long on that one. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that's what we're hearing even now, right? I mean, especially now. There's so many. No, I mean, the big thing is, well, it's free speech. You know, uh, this person, we have to hear this person's opinion, yeah. even if we're not in agreement, right, with it. And what we try to say, or at least what we're trying to to get people to understand, is opinion is one thing, and, and false it's also statements your free speech to call else. out bullshit. That's that's part of free expression. Is when you see bullshit, call it out. That's yeah. not diminishing yeah. someone's free speech. That's you expressing yourself. Yeah. Exactly. 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 And now, let's get add, back a little. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just wanted to add a little context um, to check Prigozhin's um, troll farms. And the disinformation operations um, were set up in 2013. So it was set up specifically right before Putin invaded Ukraine and started his war on Crimea. And then, you know, from there, they were focused on Ukraine for about a year and a half. And then they shifted over. And you'll see this common with all, you know, Kremlin-linked um, media outlets, even abroad in the West, um, you'll see how they shift at the same time and they run very similar things. So uh, the primary focus was on Ukraine. Then it shifted over to disinformation about Syria, mm-hmm. you know, U.S. working with ISIS, U.S. conducting, you know, chemical attacks on Syrians yeah. and a bunch of lies. And then from there, it went, got repurposed and went to our 2016 elections, then the Capitol attacks and just continued on and on whatever the situation is. So um, just to give a little pretext of when the uh, whole yeah. farms. Yeah, and I think that's really, really important. And I think that in addition, that's when you also see and you have these sort of former kind of whistleblower-y characters who seem mm-hmm. to be pushing a lot of Russian disinformation mm-hmm. ev- eventually s- kind of start popping up as characters around 2013 and, and a- around Ukraine and then mm-hmm. Syria and then MH17. That seems to be the first, the, yes. the, the, the one, two, Let's three the punch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that that's one thing that I think is positive is that when we, looking back at this from 2016, we were so unprepared. We were mm-hmm. as Americans, like we were so we, we would see this activity, but, but it couldn't be. Nobody works for a state. States don't hire journalists mm-hmm. to push narratives that are. Sure they don't. Uh, <laughs> wait, only <laughs> private companies do that. Uh, and yeah, yeah. so uh, I think that we're all probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're all probably a little bit um, more uh, cynical now in a, a good way um, and in a way that. That when you look back at that wave that started, you know, 2013, it's it's very obvious. Yeah. It's it's really like it's it's spookily clear. Yeah. Well, and also, aware. and right. also just to add to that, we also saw right around the time with this online activity, all these shady outlets being yeah, uh, like popping up across in US, in Europe, and you see kind of like these, you know. They just start populating and then suddenly they go from zero like views to a million views. And, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was part of the troll factory 
who had two responsibilities. One, to put out disinformation of all sorts from, like Jack said, like a wide array just to confuse what the actual truth is. And two, for to push these outlets, uh, their articles to be seen by many people across social media and, you know, and, yeah. and um, YouTube and other outlets like that. Yeah. In fact, you mentioned YouTube just before, you no, know, we popped on. I was reading an article um, uh, by Soldatoft, who we're going to be talking to, you know, uh, coming up. And it was a whole explanation of how RT, right, had all these little sub channels, basically, that nobody really you know, understood that and basically it was RT, but all then you no know, disseminated. And that's how they amplified, okay, all of the, the disinformation that was coming and, and that kind of thing. I wanted to ask a question, maybe Olga or Jack, either one or the other, um, because there are probably some people that maybe don't know physically what a troll farm actually is. Okay. I know it's a simple question, but for people who are, you know, are not uh, looking at these things, what is it exactly? You know, Olga, Jack, I don't know who wants to take this one. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I would say that what, what it actually is, is imagine you work for the most boring telemarketing company in the world and you have to show up, but you have the longest hours and you just have to sit in front of a computer and do X task and you're not very educated and you're not very engaged, but they're paying a small amount of money and it takes no skill to do it. And you have probably a script. That's basically what it is, except for what you're doing all day is you're typing in narratives that are either there to um, create a false idea of what is going on, spread lies, or at least is likely to um, muddy up the truth to try to do a, a sort of both sidesism to mm -hmm. uh, redirect anger. You know, if you're angry at the Russians, yes, oh yes, that's that's bad, but also this. Or, well, if you think that's bad, what about this? You know, and so it's all about like emotional jujitsu. Uh, just countering an actual, like I'm angry in a very specific direction and let me blunt that direction. Let me sidestep it. Let me move it around a little bit. Let me just redirect it in some way. Okay. So, and it, but it's, it's an office environment. I mean, you look yeah. at the videos of it. There's just people sitting and younger people mm -hmm. sitting in front of a thing. Usually they have a script. I mean, Olga's done more work on that. And I go into better specifics than I can, though. Yeah. So it's, it's just like walking into the office. You're in front of a computer, right? And they're telling you exactly. You're, you are Jane, okay, from uh, Fishers, you know, in Indiana. And you're going to be mm -hmm. talking about, okay, you're going to be talking about your life or something's come up in the area. And, Critical race right? theory. Uh, sorry? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Critical race theory. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you're going to be sitting there saying, well, I don't like this kind of thing. Or, you know, start asking questions and putting it you know, into doubt kind of thing. Olga, how much do these people get paid? Mm -hmm. I, like a few hundred dollars a month wow. for very long hours, like mm -hmm. extremely long hours. I mean, they're there about 12, 14 hours. Wow. And I mean, again, there are several categories of them. Some of them are meant to look like they're assimilating someone in U.S. or Europe. And, you know, we saw a lot of it during the 2016 election. They all just popped out and popped up. And you saw, you know, suddenly like Second Amendment and religion and everything in like their profile, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and you just saw a whole mass amount of them. So 
you know, if someone in Indiana, you know, has a complaint about something, you know, or mentions it, like their purpose is to reinforce it and to make it stronger. So they'll pop in and they'll be like, oh my God, I feel the mm. same exact way. And, oh. you know, and then um, they'll kind of reinforce it. And when it's done in such a mass quantity, you kind of end up falling in this kind of echo chamber sure. of people who think exactly like you. And then you get blocked off from the actual truth. You get blocked off, you know, even on social media, you saw on Twitter, for instance, after 2016, how Twitter got extremely separated. And it Mm -hmm. was like, you were either, you know, on the left and whatever you're tweeting goes straight to the left, or you were on the right and whatever you're tweeting goes to the right. And like, there was almost no crossover in between. And it was meant to do that because it was meant to, you know, just as like there was polarization online, you saw the same exact thing happening in real life. Yeah. And then some of them set up, you know, went on to Facebook, set up um, uh, Facebook uh, groups, private groups where now they're collecting people. And then they kind of, you know, work on your emotions because everything disinformation is meant to target emotions. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. whole point is that the disinformation has to be so effective and so quick that you don't have a second to stop and actually process it, that you react versus like, oh, let me verify if this is real. And you mentioned RT. RT had um, a a subsidiary underneath them um, who, for instance, during our protest, uh, posted a a video of a protester setting a police officer on fire in uh, Portland. And then it just circulated around and it just like, you know, became whatever, which again, it's working on emotion. It's very dangerous because you might have NYPD in New York who just sees one of their fellow officers got, you know, set on fire by Mm -hmm. protesters. Mm -hmm. That event actually happened in Guadalajara, Mexico, Mm -hmm. like a year prior. But, you know, people react too quick and, you know, and it kind of, they make sure to reinforce what you're already thinking. So they're targeting people who already were being fed that like, for instance, the protesters in Portland were violent and that they are, you know, uh, attacking buildings and people and law enforcement and whatnot. So they want to reinforce it. So they send, show you this video. You don't have enough time to sit and right. actually say, you know sure. what, let me check this video. Yeah. Is yeah. this here? Yeah. I mean, it ended up not even being in U.S. And then you had a whole slew of people who now think, you know, Portland protesters burned a police officer alive, yeah. which didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And I think that really hits on a, a really important and a really important point that I don't think we sort of um, talk about enough, which is the the targeting of a specific kind of information to a specific group. So like uh, one example that I I can sort of think about with this is, you know, I I worked on a documentary for Vice about QAnon. uh, And one of the things that I I personally came to believe about QAnon is that the posts on the board, like the, what people think of the QAnon message board or the the board of their posts, I don't think the posts themselves are actually that important. Uh, I, I don't think that you can you can write anything you want yeah. on 4chan. Yeah. No one's going to care. Yeah. Uh, what mattered was that they had an ecosystem of YouTubers that were primed uh, to push that messaging out. And, you know, as a just to kind of a little proof of that is that one of the most 
famous narratives in QAnon. Like if you know about any of the narratives in mm-hmm. QAnon, you've heard, probably heard of Adrenochrome. Mm-hmm. Adrenochrome never appeared on the boards. There's never a single mention of Adrenochrome in a single QAnon post. That was the community around it that had been built up that had, and they were also targeted. Like, so they had like the praying medic. Mm-hmm. If you were evangelical to push QAnon at you, if you were like a new ager, young guy, they had Jordan Sather. And so it was having this ecosystem of people to push the, a message couched in a different argument to different groups. And that fulfilled one is you get to micro target, but also you get this, again, the sense of, oh, I'm hearing this from multiple sides from completely independent sources, this guy and this guy believe two very different things about all this other stuff, but this is a thing where they're aligned. Therefore, it adds credibility to this. Uh, and so that that micro-targeting that uh, I was talking about in terms of like, you can target the police with this message, really has a multiple uh, upsides in terms of conducting a disinformation campaign. Uh, it's part, maybe you shouldn't think about those terms, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then another important... Uh, Thing to mention that once you get pulled into this ecosystem, mm. now they have control over your thinking. And, you know, and from there, they kind of almost like Al-Qaeda and ISIS, they focus on you and they kind of up the ante. So it's like one minute you're complaining about, you know, oh my goodness, why do we have to wear a mask? Suddenly you have several hundred people who are saying, yeah, these are our rights. Why do we have to wear a mask? And then it goes into like from anger there. And then it's like, you know what? We need to do something. Why doesn't someone go to the school mm-hmm. board and start burning the mask? Right. And this is how you see them in baby steps kind of up the ante where you're at a point where you just initially said, you know why? I don't want to wear a mask. It's yeah. so annoying. To the point that you are now punching people at the school board, screaming at them, saying they're stealing your constitution and they're communists and whatever other nonsense, you know, that they do. So they kind of cultivate you very slowly into a way where you go from actual discontent to actual potential, you know, being primed for committing violence. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think a really good example of that just, just that I've seen in my own life is like with the mask thing, like it's, it's a very, it's a very small thing to be like, Oh, I don't like wearing masks in public. Therefore, when I hear of people saying nasty things about the truckers, I somehow see that as an extension of being critical of myself. I see that those truckers as being an Mm -hmm. extension of me not wanting to wear masks. Uh, And once you get locked into that thinking, you can go very far, very fast of, because in-group, out-group thinking is so core yeah. to human tribalism, human society. You know what I mean? Like nobody in America thinks that the a lot of people in America thinks the Constitution is God-given and those are your God-given rights. But nobody thinks that they're God-given to people that we're at war with, you know? Um, so, you know, in-group, out-group thinking is incredibly important just in mm-hmm. terms of how we see ourselves. And I think that that also brings an important point of we're all subject to disinformation. It's all pushed at us. Whatever we think of as being our in-group, somebody is going to try to highlight that, try to take advantage of that. And that's, by the way, it's okay. Like we all believe something that is not true at some point because we've read something that was intentionally written to fool us. You cannot get away from that. You can do things to protect Mm -hmm. yourself and to not fall into and not not spread disinformation. And one really should, but you don't, there's no reason to beat yourself up if for five minutes you believe something that wasn't true 
that is just a thing of being on the internet yeah. these days. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Olga, I was reading too your last article, uh, or one of the last articles that you had written, and uh, they revived, no? And in March, uh, they revived one of the troll farms, okay, or maybe opened up a whole new one. And it was used, right, in your article, you were saying that it was used specifically, okay, to help out in a certain campaign. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So actually, the it was in my article, it was an, an amazing investigation that I put into my Substack, mm -hmm. um, translated from Russian into English. And this Russian outlet in St. Petersburg, where Prigozhin's troll farms were, um, happened to see a new post uh, that popped up, I believe it was March, um, like, like 14th or in the late, in the late teens. So this, uh, new telegram channel popped up, Cyber Front, uh, mm -hmm. Z. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we all know yeah. that Putin has made Z the symbol of, you know, um, the, his brutal assault against Ukraine by, painting Z across the first, you know, people were scratching their heads trying to figure out what the Zs were when yeah. um, it was painted on the military vehicles being on the border of Ukraine. And now suddenly you see the letter Z like in human formations are popping up all mm. over Russia. Mm. And it's become the symbol of this war. I mean, to me, it's a Nazi symbol, but yeah. so, um, so this new Telegram channel popped up, their first post, according to this really good outlet mm -hmm. who actually then sent their correspondence to visit this place, their first post was recruiting soldiers for their disinformation operation, trolls. So they put out a recruitment call. They suddenly, you know, they started interviewing people and then the uh, Russian media outlets and correspondents to this place in St. Petersburg. It's very like, you know, like a room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People went through the process of getting hired and then were just given instructions. They were put into rooms um, in an old factory and basically their job for, you know, the whole day from morning to night is just to sit and to, one, um, attack all the war crime images coming out of Ukraine. Make sure that those images are discredited. Make sure that, you know, everything, all the information and evidence we're seeing of bombings and uh, now, unfortunately, mass graves mm -hmm. and all the attacks by Putin's military, their uh, job is to completely, um, you know, discredit these things. They um, mainly are doing it on Telegram, but they also had, you know, at that uh, meeting mm -hmm. when they were recruiting uh, the TikTok person. Yeah. So they're doing yeah. it on TikTok, on Telegram. Yeah. I'm sure it's also on Facebook. I'm sure it's on Twitter. And then the second thing is to spread, you know, how wonderful this operation is mm -hmm. of Putin's and how he's liberating people inside of Ukraine and fighting Nazis and has no shortage. And actually, to that point, I mean, I had once I heard a few years ago about um, mobile troll farms within Russia whenever there were local elections. Mm -hmm. so they'd run out some local, you know, building <laughs> that no one was using and just fill it with 
And, and we, most of that was actually the reason they had to be local is because most of it was printouts because so many people don't have the computer that they would just hand out pamphlets that wow. were this information pamphlets okay. for local elections. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's, it, but I, 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 and yeah. everything Olga yeah. said, I think is so true yeah. and so important. You know, and basically whatever the Kremlin wants, this is what they're responsible for. They're given the script talking points and that's it and yep. it's honestly if you were to ask me i would think it's progression again mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. definitely i do think it's tied because he's uh deals with the gru and um the defense ministry so i'm sure this is being directed by the defense mm. ministry and that's yeah. it. So that's a neutral form that appeared now, which is identical blueprint of IRA, what we found out from the Mueller's report and from, you know, people who actually escaped the troll form and came out yeah. to, to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's what we're yeah. seeing now. And it's specifically to target everything surrounding Ukraine and also put to put out disinformation. Yeah. So all this nonsense of biolabs we're seeing. And, you know, that they revived again. The latest I saw, I cannot believe this. I mean, this mm -hmm. is literally the, when I say the Kremlin has a playbook that they reuse, I'm not kidding with their talking points. The bio labs have been, you know, one of their talking points going back many, many years. I mean, they rehash yeah, it every time there's something, you know, uh, relevant. But now they apparently Hunter Biden is funding these. Oh, he's back. Okay. <laughs> Well, no, I guess the yeah, laptop. So it's, it's like, it's like so how can it's so be useless just, and the greatest world criminal? I know, he's, he's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Turns out it's Hunter pulled all the strings <laughs> all along. Yeah, there you go. Apparently. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they had this mysterious laptop, <laughs> BS laptop, you know, for yeah. two years. But suddenly now when Russia decides to revive this bio labs and it's coming through official channels mm -hmm. because this is the defense mm -hmm. ministry who is making this bullshit of these bullshit art uh, like documents they obtained that don't exist you know i mean uh, the nonsense coming out of the defense ministry it's like literally a saturday night live skit yeah it didn't affect yeah. so many like when, you know when hunter biden parties he parties so hard he takes over yeah the world. exactly apparently <laughs> yeah, he's just apparently yeah. and suddenly they didn't investigate that laptop enough two years ago apparently now these it's are the new laptop. emails they suddenly it's found the laptop. as if as as if they did if they wouldn't have found those emails of Hunter now, you know, running biolabs in Ukraine in before election in 2020. I mean, I think we would have heard by it then, not when the Kremlin decides to revive their, you know, biolabs exactly. talking points. The one, actually, yeah, Olga, so, yeah. the one thing, you know, it's really um, a point that a lot of people miss is that a lot of this is all tied in with the military. This is not just sort of, you know, like a, a private person. This is part of a military campaign, you know, and that's one point that people even here, when I talk about this, they don't get it. They don't get this is no weapons grade psyops and it's part of the military. And, uh, you know, that's that's the way it is. And, you know, it has to be treated as such. Yeah, so. 
So when we saw, you know, these uh, Facebook ads and all this disinformation during 2016, you know, the talking points of the Republicans is like, well, well how are a few Facebook ads going to change, you know, like our election sure. results? Okay. These ads were, first of all, Prigozhin is, uh, deals with defense ministry. He deals with GRU, which is the military intelligence branch of, you know, Russia's intelligence services. These ads that were targeting these post ads, comments in newspapers, I mean, they literally find very creative ways to, you know, make sure the memes that were coming, these are all, all part of Russia's intelligence services. So he was running this IRA farm, and now we're seeing this new one. This is being directed by Russian intelligence services, just like he has you know, the uh, Wagner Group mercenaries who have committed atrocities in Central Africa. I mean, walking in, raping women, killing people in mm -hmm. villages. You know, in Syria, we saw atrocities. They assisted in chemical weapon attacks on Syrians. Um, in uh, Crimea, we saw them involved in, you know, uh, open, uh, like opening up the concentration mm -hmm. camp in mm -hmm. Crimea and all the operations there, which American media for some reason labeled as Russian separatists that does not exist. I mean, those Russian separatists in Ukraine were only Russian separatists and that they had to separate from Russia That's to get it. to Ukraine. Yes. Yes. Ah, yes. There you go. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. exactly it. Exactly. And that's, again, another thing of how dangerous Russian disinformation is, because it spreads even to regular normal media because they don't yeah. even they don't understand the yeah. difference. So for instance, for a few years after Russia annexed Crimea and you know then went into eastern Ukraine, for a few years the media didn't understand what was happening. They called it a civil war. I'm like, what civil war? There's no That's civil right. war here. Then it went on to Russian separatists. No, these are Russian operatives who are there to control these areas and run operations. So Prigozhin is not only, you know, in charge of cooking, he's in charge of sending mercenaries right. who I have watched videos I had to translate of them beheading someone in Syria and playing soccer with the guy's head. I mean, this is this what, what Prigozhin's mercenaries yeah. are. And this yeah. is part of the Russian military. Yeah. But it provides, like with everything else, how Russia uses the mafia to sell weapons mm -hmm. or, you know, to move money. And then if they get caught, well, we don't know. These are just exactly. criminals. The mercenaries, if they get caught, we, we don't know. This has nothing to yeah. do with us. So, you know, they were there. It's a private company. The cyber criminals who, you know, attack our colonial pipeline and solar winds. We don't know, mm -hmm. you know, uh, these are just criminals hanging out, you know, attacking sure. <laughs> big uh, infrastructure in U.S. We don't know how that happened. So this provides them the plausible deniability that they need. Yeah. And, and, and people fall for this narratives, you know, innocently. And this yeah. is the whole point of Russia to kind of also at the same time, not only run nonsense narratives that you just look at it, anyone with like five brain cells, they're like, what is this? But also kind of these narratives where it kind of waters down. So it's like, now I'm seeing one, you know, populating, well, it's not really war crimes. Oh my God. Like, oh my God. Like, well, you know, it's a war. So yeah. of course the buildings are going like, to get bombed. Uh, no, you know? Can like, I read out the, the, the Red Cross uh, and also like the uh, 
the UN and what it says about what yeah. a war crime is, um, which I have, by the way, I put it up on our site. So <laughs> you like to, if you like to yeah. listen to that little video yeah, I, again, I, and I, I go through right through the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is a, this is a, a, such an important point and such a really, like a really important point for Americans to remember. Remember January mm-hmm. 7th when everybody uh-huh. agreed it was horrifying and yep. everybody agreed it was the most devastating attack on American democracy. Okay. That mm-hmm. changed. And that changed because you yep. have information campaigns. Like people's first judgment to things are the least influenced things that they will have. It's their primary. Oh my God, I'm seeing this on TV. Once you give an operation six months to chip mm-hmm. away at that emotion, mm-hmm. to redirect it, to re, you know, contextualize it, you no longer have a unified people being like, that was horrifying. It's a year later and half the country's well, like, hey, what was that? Well, who who well, even knows what that they was? They were on really. vacation. <laughs> yeah, they were there for a picnic, yeah. you know? I know. Exactly. Right? That's what they the were tourist. there for. Yeah. And so right now we see the whole country really on board with this uh, defending Ukraine, you know, standing up to Russia. Give it six months with influence operations. Then see where we are. And they've, they've already started. started. I mean, yep. we're, I'm monitoring yeah. here. And yeah. I mean, I can't get to France, but I can do some stuff that's in Germany, Italy. Uh, they're, they've already started. They've already started. But it's weird because they don't yeah. do it. Like Absolutely. they don't head. It's not a head on attack. They'll take a little, like, yeah. for example, I'll just give you a little bit of an example, because I think it also mirrors something that's happening in the States. So, well, why are we dedicating 2% to our military budget, right? Why are we giving so much money to the military? So they're going into the pacifist, right? All the people who say, oh, no, that money should be used for education, okay? Um, That's how they divide, right, the electorate. And especially in places like France and other countries that are coming up, Hungary, for example, where there are elections, right? So this is what they're capitalizing on. And that's what I'm finding, right? And looking at all the different posts. Luckily, we don't really have that much here. I haven't seen it, thank goodness. But um, yeah, no, uh, the far left here they've been targeting. And it's interesting because after Ukraine, uh, you know, after Putin ordered his assault on Ukraine, almost immediately you saw the far, far Mm -hmm. left activated in U.S., and it was like the far right was very quiet and kind of got confused. Some of them were on board, some weren't on board. A lot of them, you know, you saw the same mirroring the even divide within the Republican Party. You saw the majority of the Republican Party, you know, like they couldn't trip over each other fast enough to get stronger sanctions yeah. in place. And then you had the clowns, you know, who were like, oh, I don't understand. What are we doing? Same but on the far mm-hmm. left, this is Ooh, where yeah. you see all the disinformation yeah. coming out from yeah. since yeah. February, since the end of January, yeah. I would say, even before. Yeah, here, attack. actually, it's not just the far left. It's also the religious base, the Pope. They're starting to bring him into it and saying, oh, no, you know, we need peace at all costs, peace at all costs. This is what I hear, okay, every day. And it's very frustrating. Well, they should talk to the Russian Orthodox Church that is uh, absolutely on board with the genocide. And they were like, yes, we need to cleanse Ukraine of Ukrainians. As we were saying before, right, Jack, what you were saying before and all that, it's it's sort of like they take these, it's just like a slogan, 
okay, that they use. And it's a very simple thought. There's no uh, nuanced, okay, uh, let's say discussion of what is needed and what is necessary. It's just, you know, here's your slogan. You like to hear this and just run with it. You know what I mean? So like peace at all costs, like what the hell does that mean? So, you know, I'm, you know, we're, 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 we can just sit by as everybody is being, you know, bombed. Is this, is this what we're doing? Right. Thank goodness. I saw actually yesterday across all of Europe, churches um, had like kind of a unity with mm-hmm. Ukraine and they all came out of church in mm-hmm. Portugal, Spain. I saw the scenes all across the Europe. CNN actually um, was following the story and they were on like, thank goodness, supporting Ukraine and calling for end of war, but to Putin directly. Like they were like, time for you to end the war and get yeah, well, out. We would you love know? to see him out, right? It's It's... <laughs> I'm I'm not going to get more graphic yeah, than yeah. that because <laughs> I think <laughs> we've all kind of been fantasizing <laughs> about. So, mm, let's see. Well, Lindsey Graham said what we were fantasizing. <laughs> he came out and <laughs> he was like, "Okay." I'm like, "All right." And that if I said that, I'd be suspended. <laughs> okay. Is there any last thoughts, Jack? Did you want to say Jack. something? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I think my closing sort of thought is that I, so much of what we do online, especially in social media, assumes good faith. We assume that anything we're reading, at the very least, the person who's writing it has come to that position earnestly. And I think that it's it's a tough thing because I don't want to tell people, like, don't have an open mind. <laughs> be, be really closed minded when you're online and don't be open to other points of view. Um but it's it is difficult. But I, I do think that we need to be a little bit more cynical about the stuff that we agree with, because that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's where you're going to get got. It's very easy to identify disinformation sure. on stuff that you don't agree with. Yeah, <laughs> it's the that's stuff that you agree with. That's, that's the difficult part. And that's, that's where we very, all have to very, be very good sensitive. Point. Very good point. Yeah. Do you see hope for us cleaning this up? <laughs> In the future, yeah, you do? I, I do. You know, I, I am an optimist, but I think that I, I think that there is a well. First of all, I, I think that as a population, we are much better about it than we were five years ago. Okay, it's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not super, you know, high standard, but whatever. Um, and I also think that um, I, I think that there is a means to. I mean, listen, you're never going to get rid of it completely. No. It's always going to be an element in everything, and that's always going to be the case. And sure, 100%. But I think that right now, I mean, if a year ago you told me that Putin mm. would be this isolated on the world stage, yep. I, I wouldn't believe you. Me either. And it's horrifying what's happening uh, in Ukraine. There's there's no but to that. Um, and within that, Putin is now a figure that I think can be, if, if it, the, they continue to play it well, if they continue to work this well, can be continually isolated, can have that sort of power taken away. And, you know, the fact that it is a a conflict sort of uh, allows, I I would imagine, allows for a lot more uh, dealing with this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? More actively dealing with this stuff from the government perspective. I hope that's what's happening. Uh, Because there's a chance for it doesn't mean it'll happen. Doesn't mean that they'll take the chance and take the opportunity. But there's clearly an opportunity there to isolate, certainly Putin, to really be like, hey, guys, we have a real reason to be mm-hmm. cleaning up our online spaces. Um, I wish people cared about more about American democracy from an institutional level, 
than they do, but they don't. And yeah. but they do care about security. And as this becomes a security issue, I hope that yeah. this gets dealt with in a real way. Now, Jack, you've been following the far right, um, sadly for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. That 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 is yeah, a I'm very scary place. But you've been following um the far far right for quite a while, and like we saw, you know, prior to this, like the likes of uh, I don't even know how to say her name, Bobart. Is that it, Lauren Bobart? Oh, Lauren, Lauren Bobart. Yeah, 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 and Marjorie Taylor Green, and they were kind of like mm-hmm. the mainstream of the party, which was absolutely horrific. And now you see they've taken these very pro-Kremlin positions to the point of repeating everything the Kremlin says, like word for word. Do you see them being marginalized from the party? Like, do you see the Republican Party beginning a shift as, you know, or do you still see them as central figures as they were, say, five months ago? I I do, because right now I think it's fair to say that the snapshot Mm -hmm. is that they're not central figures. Um, but again, I think that that's a snapshot after a shocking event where everybody is on, you know, okay, well, we all know how we think about this, mm-hmm. but you're starting to see the chipping away. You're starting to see the, you know, the, the bringing her back into the the space where she is being defended. Um, and, and so I, I worry that, no, I think what's going to have to happen is that they're going to have to lose big in a couple of election cycles. Like, I, I don't know that there's yeah. enough, or a lot of people are going to have to go to jail. <laughs> you know, I don't know that hmm, there's a way around it. And that I think crow? that, yeah. And I, and, I, and I, part of me worries that a lot of this stuff had been happening for quite some time under the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's just become so obvious now that it's like, well, but it, when something becomes that obvious, it's kind of hard to do something about it. Um, and so I, I mm-hmm. worry about that a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Wish I had better things, but no, I'm very concerned um, about them becoming, you know, that becoming. Well, I guess it's just everybody's going to have to work that much harder. Then, before we wrap this up, I wanted to remind everybody that, in terms of, let's say, you're looking at something and you're not entirely sure whether it's true or not. Okay, if it's a piece of disinformation, misinformation, okay, is also part of that category. I invite people if you're in Europe to go over to stopfake.org because they have, right? They put up in in many languages what is happening in each, okay? There's also the EU Disinfo site. You can go there as well. In the States, where can, where can, what, what kind of websites can people, um, what kind of websites can people look at? So on my end, I'll offer DFR Lab, which is the digital forensics lab, and they actually have schooling for it. They have courses that you can take to um, recognize disinformation. And then on top of it, they also, you know, work to expose disinformation. So I think they're excellent. And think of what you're feeling, right? Because what happens to me is that I see something (laughs) and I get angry and that's when I know I need to stop and I don't. Don't click on it. Don't just, yes. if it's there today, it'll be there tomorrow. Look how you feel. And cause that's what they want, right? They want us to get angry. And, and also a good thing to remember is that social media apps tended to design their user interface where the first 10 minutes of content you receive is meant to be pleasurable. Oh, and then everything okay. after that is just meant to piss you off. All right. In Italy, I think because it's that's less. how they keep you on. <laughs> It's from the get-go. You turn it on and you're like, ah! 
on my yeah. feed. It's oh, so right. anytime I'm pissed <laughs> off on Twitter, I'm like, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this up. <laughs> Olga, my love. Jack, Jack, my love. Okay, we didn't see you no know, the, the your cat come along, but it'll have to be for another the time. Cat. She's here. Oh, oh, here. we get to oh, see. Good. Hey, she's, she's here, here for, for the, the egg. Yeah. All righty. That's the disinfo. Uh, oh, she made a little okay. appearance in there All before. Right, she was sneaking around. Okay, so lap, that's but no, she's. She's a disinfo ninja. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Meow, meow. We're going to get you a little uh, uniform. Okay, everybody. So this is us saying goodbye from Kremlin (laughs) File. Bye. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, kremlinfile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media production hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Camara, with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben, Brett, and Jordi Micellis of Midas Media with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.